Dan and Sierra, we're going to jump right into tasting your wines, but before we do, I can already tell that we're going to have a fun afternoon. So I have an idea, you guys. How about we play a wine vocabulary game today? How does that sound? Yeah, that works. Awesome, yeah. yeah. It sounds super awesome. So as you said, let's just start this episode of Sip on This with the first tasting, though. Yeah, let's do that. Let's give that honor, though, to Dan and Sierra, our guests today. We have Dan Pinella. He's the winemaker at Oak Farm Vineyards and Sierra Zider. She's the assistant winemaker there. Dan, what is the first wine that you brought for us today? Uh, so the first one that we've got today is a Albarino. Mm. This is a 2018 vintage, and it's a stainless steel aged. Okay. So no oak on this. This uh, 2018 Albarino is the first Albarino that came off of our state property grapes. For this wine, we do two picks. So the first pick, we're getting more of that pyrazine acidic characteristic, and then the second pick, you're gonna get more of that fruity ester characteristic. And one of the coolest things we do with this wine that's a little different than our other whites is we put the wine after it's done fermenting in uh, stainless steel drums. So they're 75 gallon drums and it increases the juice to lees ratio mm-hmm. and kind of increases the mouthfeel and the body of the wine. Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. Where is your winery located? So we're in Lodi, California. Oh. And uh, Lo- Lodi actually has quite a few different wineries that make Albarino. It's it's becoming a huge ri- rising star for the Lodi Appalachian. And uh, well, this is our uh, fourth vintage. Um, and But like you said, the first one off of our estate. And before we taste this, can you actually just tell us a little bit about Albarino as a varietal? Uh, so uh, Spain and Portugal, uh, Iberian uh, area, this is a um, typically a fairly fresh, clean um, sort of. Uh, there's like some, uh, especially when you get the ones from Spain. There's a little bit of the, the sea stone um, salinity to it. Minerality. Minerality. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I just find it being fresh, but uh, a little bit more flavor uh, that you, a burst of flavor that you would get than say from a Pinot Grigio, for example, or something like that. Yeah, we do a very long, cold fermentation. And so we're preserving those aromas. We're not letting them blow off on the top of the tank. It's a lighter, crisper, more aromatic white than some of the other whites you're tasting. Well, I have this beautiful glass staring right at me, ready to be drunk. What do you think, Janae? It's a beautiful light golden color, right? Pale straw. Pale straw, very, a little more on the translucent side. Oh, wow, what a beautiful bouquet. Very floral, like fresh out of a flower garden. Flor- it's got a lot going on. It's got some yeah. floral notes, but I also smell mm. coconut, and I also smell um, grapefruit. So it's got it's it's definitely kind of taken me to the tropics yes. for sure. Yes, I was going to say more like on the grapefruit notes that I am pulling mm. out of this. Oh yeah! Wow! Oh yeah! A little sharpness on the front as the first impression. Mm-hmm. A little tartness, but that some of that minerality that yeah. you, Dan, and Sierra were talking about. What notes do you get out of this, Janae? Um, I get fruit immediately, um, definitely on the nose and immediately on the palate. Um, mm-hmm. Lots and lots of fruit. Again, tropical notes like some kiwi, some some pineapple, some mm-hmm. um, some coconut, and then some grapefruit, and then some melon, and then it's also got that kind of briny character that uh, that they alluded to earlier, that salinity um, mm-hmm. that is just, it, it's perfectly integrated and I am, this is about to go all the way down my gullet, no more sipping. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly chilled to that white wine temperature. Yeah. Uh, the second impression, it was a beautiful, just as you said, Sierra, a beautiful mouthfeel that just kind of coated my mouth. And as you were describing the, the cornucopia of fruits that you are extracting from it, I really got that cornucopia in my mouth. I would but say folks, kiwi, it's more like we've been saying, tropical guava, guava. pineapple, um, not overly ripe, but definitely not underripe. It's like that middle ground. Um, sort of like Goldilocks approach, trying to find something that's just right in terms of like that's why we do the two picks that she was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. That your 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 attempt is to capture sort of the full spectrum of what the grapes could potentially give you, and um, and so and because of that, we'll we'll also 
um, ferment them. Uh, a lot of the, the whites and stuff will ferment them in two separate tanks with a different protocol for each and, and try to bridge the gap and give best of both worlds. And so it's not... Add complexity, add complexity. to the wine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that way it's... it's it's rather than you know one person playing guitar, it's like a duo, you know, ah, kind of thing. I love so that's that. that's sort of what we're going for. Yeah. So. And I love that you said Goldilocks approach. I think that is um, what so many people aim for, and the fact that you kind of just named it—that's yeah. it, it's oh, a thanks. great way to approach a wine. <laughs> yeah. Alberino you know, is not a varietal that is uh, easily accessible here in right. Northern California. Um, so how does this compare to some of the other Alberinos that you've had before? You know, I don't drink a lot of Albarino. Um, I have had it many times, but I don't drink a lot of it. Um, I will say that this is incredibly soft. Mm -hmm. um, it is very round, um, no jagged edges whatsoever. Very well balanced. Yeah. Very well balanced. It still has that crispness mm -hmm. as well, but it's super, super round and just, it almost feels like it massages your palate, massages yes. your tongue. And, yeah, that, yeah. and that's a, a, a beautiful mouthfeel that I that I have never actually gotten while drinking an Albarino. And that's a great way to start this podcast. And to our audience, welcome to another episode of Sip On This, the podcast that brings you along on the wondrous journey of wine tasting. And as always, I want to introduce my co-host, Janae Gaither. Janae, great to have you in the co-host seat with me again today. It's always good to be here again with you, Roger, and it's, all, and it's always great to taste some amazing wines. And at the top of the episode, we briefly introduced Dan and Sierra. Again, they are from the Oak Farm Vineyards. Dan and Sierra, welcome to Sip On This. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oak Farm Vineyards is actually located um, in Lodi, California, which is about an hour and 45 minutes um, east of San Francisco, mm. right? Yep, correct. And directly east, like if we, you know, if you, if you were a bird, you can, you know, go straight out, like it's like 90 miles or something like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right, Lodi is a small town in California's Central Valley, a region that grows some wonderful grapes. Over the past decade or so, wine production in Lodi has increased dramatically, and we are seeing more Lodi wines appearing on our store shelves. Mm -hmm. Lodi is becoming a more popular wine region. So for our first word of the vocabulary game that we talked about earlier, Dan and Sierra, can you tell us more about Central Valley and Lodi? We want to talk about the weather, we want to talk about the terroir, and what makes wine production so successful. So I guess the vocabulary word that we would be defining at this moment would be terroir, mm -hmm. okay? Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, so in terms of our uh, terroir, uh, we're uh, <laughs> trying to say that with you know the French way. Uh, we're um, uh, in, in in terms of the sense of place, the um, the dirt, the, the the climate, all that kind of stuff. We um, we find that it is a we have warm days and cool nights during our growing season. Um, uh, average uh, temperatures right now are in the high 80s, and then you know they swing down at night to, uh, you know, probably the, the the like high 50s and stuff like that. So there's a pretty good swing. Um, and uh, and we're recording this in July 2019. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. Sorry, I should should be clear about that. And, and we have a very unique microclimate and mm. unique terroir in Lodi. And I think that is due to, we have kind of two rivers surrounding us. So we have the Sacramento River, 30 minutes to the north of us. And then we have the Delta, mm -hmm. McCall, the San Joaquin Delta, the San Joaquin Delta River, mm -hmm. about 20 miles to the east. So those breezes and that kind of helps create a colder night. And so our temperature swings is great, like Dan was saying. Yeah, and then the big the big push comes from the San Francisco Bay, and 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 because of where we're situated, if you go maybe uh, you know 10, 15 miles to the south of us, you don't get the breeze that we get. If you go you know 10, 15 miles to the north of us, same thing. We're in this little pocket that's coming directly from uh, where we're recording this now in San Francisco. So, and Dan, you're the winemaker there. Tell us mm -hmm. how you got to be, got to this place. And I know that this, the, the vineyard, the land there has been in your family for some generations. Now. Yeah. So the, um, 
My, my family's been uh, farming in the area for three generations, The um, uh, doing other things other than grapes, uh, cherries and walnuts, things like that. And um, it was actually in 2004, uh, we had sold a walnut orchard and um, we're looking for uh, a different piece of property uh, to, to buy. And, and, and we ended up buying this uh, uh, property that's been called Oak Farm since the 1800s. And um, uh, that was in 2004. And we uh, quickly kind of realized that we didn't want to keep um, <clears throat> growing for a larger winery who was going to, you know, depending on the year, say, oh, well, you know, uh, we need to get as much crop as you can or we need you to, to you know, uh, do this, do that. And just all these things where they would tell you to do and then they'd change the price every year and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's like, okay. And then there's some other things, too, that kind of pushed us towards um, the idea of maybe we should be uh, focused on actually trying to get inside the bottle ourselves. And I didn't really know what that entailed. Kind of put some feelers out there, uh, not just myself, but other uh, members of my family as well. Um, my, my wife and I uh, run it, um, and uh, then we have awesome talent like Sierra, and then we also have a consulting winemaker who who was my mentor. And um, is now my mentor. It's now her mentor. Awesome. Uh, his name's Chad Joseph. Um, but uh, so it, it's definitely um, this. Uh, but it's a it's a family affair. My mom's involved. My sister helps out uh, too. And it, it's uh, you know, and my dad's always coming around and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's it there's there's a lot of a, a multi generational aspect to it. But for us, we just want to really kind of elevate what we think um, uh, Lodi fruit can really give. And um, there's just uh, a ton of potential that it has yet to be fully realized. Um, either from just our own vineyards and then just, I think, as from the Appalachian as a whole. I just think that there's a lot of uh, untapped potential that I, I see all uh, other, um, you know, we have a pretty good community with the other Lodi wineries and there's a rising tides, raise all ships kind of approach. So I want to back up a little bit, Sierra. You mentioned uh, the word microclimate, which is perfect since we're playing this vocabulary game. <laughs> so can you explain to us what a microclimate is? We understand, you know, the root of the word micro is in small and climate like weather patterns, but what does that mean in terms of wine? Basically, you take a vine and it's gonna be the climate of that vine. So it's gonna be the sun hitting that vine, the soil that that vine is in, the breeze that that vine is feeling. It's really not, it's a part of a vineyard and what the weather is actually happening there, how that vineyard is feeling. So it's not a large area, it's gonna be a very small area. And this matters greatly because we believe in, especially at Oak Farm, that good winemaking and good wine comes from the vineyard. And so you want to pay attention to your microclimate and that's gonna help base your picking decisions and your winemaking styles off of the climate. We're on the most uh, western, northern end. Um, we get a little bit more breeze than say the east side of Lodi. Um, mm. And even though the the, the Lodi um, soil types and stuff, um, while they do vary from different parts of the Appalachian, there's um, there's kind of a like the the heart of the Appalachian has has some consistency, but the but the, the, the climate changes depending, you know, if you go a couple miles this way, a couple miles that way, you know, and, and that's where uh, I think what you're saying, like the, the, the vineyard's going to, you know, you take if you took that same vine and put it, you know, three miles to the east yeah. or whatever, it's going to it's going to react differently. And gotcha. and it's kind of its own little you know, special uh, style based on just where it's growing. And basically the microclimate affects the growth of the grape, which then yeah. affects the end, up, end product of the wine. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Janae, in almost all of our podcasts, seemingly all of the winemakers that we've talked to have ties to the University of California at Davis winemaking program. Yeah. But Sierra, mm -hmm. you didn't go to UC Davis. You actually studied at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo here, which is here in California's Central Valley. And your degree is in, you have two degrees, one in viticulture and one in enology. Yes. So, part of the word vocabulary game, <laughs> what is enology? Enology is the study and the science of wine and winemaking. So, my classes revolved around actually making the wine. So, a lot of chemistry, o chem, 
and actually the reactions happening in the What's berry. What's okay? I'm just curious. Organic <laughs> chemistry. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, I, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I that for you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, actually studying the reactions that are happening in the wine, which most consumers and most people don't realize that there's a lot of reactions you need to pay attention to when making the wine. Um, you can have good reactions, you can have bad reactions, and that produces the good flavors in the wine versus the bad flavors. And at Cal Poly, it was definitely like a learn by doing. And so... Isn't that their motto? Their motto, learn by doing. (laughs) And uh, we, senior year, we actually got to make wine there. So we got the grapes in. We did everything from analyzing the grapes, crushing them, destemming them, to there's a bottling line. So bottling it and making a label, designing a label. And you guys had to So your own harvest, essentially. Essentially our own harvest. And we had to do an internship. That's what I was going to say. You guys had to do internships. Wow. And so it was a lot of hands-on experience. And I think that's what led me to being able to get a job at Oak Farm and having this knowledge and being able to jump right into the wine industry. Enologists and winemakers work hand in hand, right? And sometimes they are, depending on the country, one in the same, is that right? Yeah, I would say they're, they're really one in the same. I think it's a way of saying you're not an assistant winemaker, you're an enologist, but I think larger companies use enologists as a, they're more doing the blends Whereas at Oak Farm, we're a very small winery, so I'm doing lab analysis and blends and winemaking and cellar stuff. So I would say that I would, I'm an enologist and an assistant winemaker kind of put together. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, you know, just as uh, she's as much of the winemaker at this point, even though her title is assistant winemaker, she's pretty much becoming the as much of a winemaker as as myself and allows me to go off into other parts of you know the administrative side of the business which is actually what my wife handles but if I if she needs help and then I also do a lot of sales stuff and mm. stuff but my but my wife's the one that keeps the, the lights on she's the one who makes sure we don't uh, spend more than we take <laughs> in and and a lot of other stuff <laughs> that I uh, that I'm not particularly good at and uh, so I have to give her a shout out for that. Well, that's a good shout out. Yeah. And, and you're wearing multiple hats uh, with your, with your winery. So, yep. and, and coming from the farming roots, mm-hmm. uh, from your generational yep. roots of farming, and then going into the winemaking, what do you prefer? More the farming side, more of the winemaking no, side, I, <clears throat> the administrative I, side. I, I have a I have an affinity and a love for the farming, but um, uh, no, I, I prefer the the winemaking side. We want to talk a little bit more about lab analysis and analogists in the. Work you do so day to day what would you say an average or typical day would be if you are in the lab yes so what are you testing for what are you tasting what are you thinking what, what works what doesn't work take us to that process so i do a lot of the lab analysis during harvest and harvest is when we're getting the grapes and we're analyzing the juice and making the wine and so august to end of october together yeah. yeah. yes so Typically, we're going to get the grapes in, and we base picking our grapes off of bricks, which is the sugar level, and also the acidity, so the pH. So those are the first two tests that I will do. Once we have the grapes in the winery, we are going to look at the glucose fructose, which is the sugar in the wine, Mm. and that will give us the potential alcohol. And you can really only adjust the potential alcohol at the very beginning as when the wine isn't wine yet it's still juice and so we're going to look at those numbers adjust the alcohol and then also i I mean adjust it meaning we'll we usually will add water to the uh the must the uh the the distinct grapes or the juice yeah to decrease the alcohol if we need to um, which you are legally allowed to do in, in the Cal- United States. Yeah, yeah in California. Yeah. In California. Yeah. So I also run the YAN, which is yeast available nitrogen. And this is going to tell you how much nitrogen you're going to need for the yeast to survive. So you want the yeast to struggle a little bit, but not struggle completely where they're going to die. And that gives off characteristics. I also run the malic acid levels. You can see how the fermentation and how secondary fermentation is going. And at Oak Farm, we can really run every single test in-house. We don't have to send our lab analysis out, which is very crucial to get prompt answers and to be able to react on the results right away. Right, and that's what I appreciate about winemaking, especially in the harvest and early stages of production. 
you have to make early critical decisions right then yes. and there that affect the wine for that harvest. You can't wait. You're not prototyping ahead of time. You're not pre-picking grapes because the grapes grow and they change character uh, brick levels as they grow. You're actually doing it on the spot. Yeah, and we have a very good vineyard manager. So Dan and I will decide, okay, today's the day we want to pick or tomorrow's the day we want to pick and we call our vineyard manager up and he has a crew out there first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to pick the grapes exactly when we want to pick them, the bricks that we want, the pH that we want. Um, and I think that is very helpful for having a good wine and a profitable winery. Well, I see a second bottle of white wine staring mm -hmm. at us. What do you have for us? Yeah, so this is uh, Fiano, and Fiano is not super common in California. No. Uh, it is originally an Italian uh, grape from uh, southern Italy, uh, inland from Naples. There's a little region called Campania, mm -hmm. um, which is where my family is from, and, uh, on, on, on my dad's side. Um, and so that was sort of, this was kind of a nod to that, a kind of a tip of that, and, 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 and uh, it's also a similar climate. And so we thought it would be a good match. Um, I happen to like the grape. For for us, I think we're the um, we're pretty sure we're the only Lodi winery that has this grape. Now Lodi grows a lot of different grapes, 130 plus varietals, but Fiano, um, up until recently, was not one of them. I had never tasted a Fiano before coming to Oak Farm, uh -huh. and I remember tasting it and looking at the berries, and they're tiny berries very acidic thick skin so the the skin to pulp ratio is a lot greater than mm. other white grapes that you try um and so we pick this grape pretty much based off of acidity we wait for that acidity to drop a little bit before we pick it otherwise it would be unpalatable it would be just like you know just wrecking your palate and pulling the enamel off your teeth kind of taste to it so we have to yeah, wait wait for those the longer it hangs on the on the on the vine the the more it starts to drop out and the mm -hmm. ph level comes up and, and and anyway so and um I think this this wine is very cool to us to make and to share with consumers. It's very complex. You get a lot of it's like walking through a flower garden. Oh, you get a lot of story. that lavender, mm -hmm. that rose petal, but then on the back end, you're going to get some of the those esters, some of those tropical flavors as well. I'm getting like melon, cantaloupe, pineapple and I think those two combined in the aroma is just amazing to me mm -hmm. and then when you taste it we do something different with this white wine than our other wines and we put it in neutral oak okay and so when you taste it the very end of your palate you're gonna get some nutty characteristics oh, wow. some pecan you know the other thing too is when we bring this in we also split it into two tanks again and um, we do uh, what's considered a wild fermentation, uh, in other words, like old world winemaking where you don't add yeast. Um, we let it just, uh, whatever native yeast is in the air and on the, in, that may be on the grapes and um, uh, takes over and that's what that causes the fermentation to happen. Um, it takes a lot longer to do, but it, 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 uh, it yields some um, interesting uh, complex uh, flavors. And then the other tank will actually add um, commercial uh, cultured yeast um, specially selected for this and uh, and then combine those two after the fact so um, I think it adds some that native fermentation adds some of that earthiness that you're gonna get a little funk to a it, little yeah. funk which I personally enjoy that's yeah, what I like yeah. in the wine yeah I mean, it's funny when you when you taste it by itself before you combine them and it's like gosh I wonder if you know it's it, I guess it's it's akin to the whole natural wine movement but then you add in also the clean element and so it kind of bridges the gap between the two and it makes it for a for a fun uh complex wine and not one that's kind of too far out there kind of esoteric and weird um that sometimes those natural wines can go towards you know uh that, that people talk about where they get some off flavors and stuff like that well, this is a more kind of you know just cohesive one well i appreciate a good funk why? <laughs> I do. Uh, but I gotta say, as I, I've only sniffed the wine, I haven't tasted it yet. But as you were describing it, Sierra. <laughs> you, we I'm know you have. <laughs> I get a beautiful, sweet, very prominent coconut aroma out of this. So I'm eager to taste this. 
You've already tasted it, Janae. What of do you get out of it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the nose, again, beautiful, beautiful nose. It's kind oh, wow. of insane. Um, the nose, I actually get kind of like a tangerines, like uh, clementines, mm. and I don't mm. think I've ever That's picked that out yeah. in any other wine before. Um, but I also get a little jasmine. Um, mm which is really, really cool. A little kind of Earl Grey tea, which is weird, but really awesome as well. And then on the palate, I get like, again, amazing tropical notes like lychee and dragon fruit, some kiwi. Um, and it's just, it's lovely. And again, it has a beautiful, beautiful mouthfeel. It's incredibly soft, almost like velvet or, 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 or salt water. If you've mm -hmm. ever touched salt yeah. water, it, it feels mm -hmm. like a, it, 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 it feels like silk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it has that kind of texture, and it's kind of. I think you use the word Roger perplexing, um, but definitely in a good way. It's super cool. So this was a deliberate decision for you to grow this varietal. Yeah. Uh, did you try to prototype it first in yeah. the vineyards? And yeah. Yeah. In fact, we did. We um, uh, not so much in the vineyard. Um, I was fairly confident um we can grow just about any grape varietal in Lodi whether or not it thrives there is is arguable but I was pretty sure it was going to grow fairly well but we uh prototyped um uh, making this wine we made a couple vintages um from uh outside of our Appalachian nearby there's a, a near Sacramento there's a region called Clarksburg and um mm -hmm. And in Clarksburg, there was a, a vineyard um, that had a really small little planting of uh, Fiano. And so for two vintages, we, we bought that and, um, and kind of played with it. And ours is um, considerably different as far as the way it came in than, than theirs, but it still gave us a, a handle. The biggest thing for us was figuring out how to um, press the juice out of the wine. Um, and because like she said, it's got thicker Thick skins. Skin, yeah. Yeah. We, we use a little bit of a harder press cycle. So we're going to squeeze the berries a little bit more than, let's say, a Sauvignon Blanc. Because mm -hmm. the, the skin on a Sauvignon Blanc is so soft, you don't need much pressure to get the juice right. out. Right. So this one, we're going to press it a little more. But to a point where we get more extraction, get more juice, but we're not going to press it where we get that tannic element from the skin. Yeah, you don't want the astringency. That, yeah. I think... Uh, and, and you grow a lot of different other white varietals there as well. I think it's time to do a little bit of a speed round with you. Sure. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Gewurztraminer. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about... Oh, wait. Is it Gewurztraminer or Gewurztraminer? It's Gewurztraminer. Right? <laughs> 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 right? So yes. let's talk about Gewurztraminer, or for sh in short, Gewurz. What are its characteristics? Where does it hail from? Tell yeah. us all about it. Well, so first of all, I'll have people come in the winery and they're like, hey, can I have that wine that starts with a G? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Every so, time. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's I just say, like, pronounce it and then yeah. you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, originally uh, kind of uh, off, the, off the Rhine near Alsace um, is, uh, is where that uh, grapes from. My, my, uh, my grandmother uh, is, is, was, was French and she was she lived in Alsace and so hence why we decided to do uh, Gewurztraminer as a um, a nod to her but also for um, having something in our portfolio that was a little bit on the sweeter side you can make a dry Gewurztraminer not sweet but we decided to um, uh, leave a little bit of residual sugar in there and and uh, and make that and that one actually comes from Clarksburg but it is uh, farmed under Lodi rules and so we get to have a little sustainable seal and oh, nice. uh, and, and that all uh, there, but uh, Sierra, if you want to talk about the, yeah. I think I was telling you that the Fiano smelled like walking through a garden, walking through flowers, but you take the Gewurztraminer and the Fiano's blown out of the park. The mm. Gewurztraminer, you smell it and the aromas just fill your nose. It is, yeah, it, is it is definitely, the I think any wine. consumer can smell the, a Gewurztraminer and say it's a Gewurztraminer. Mm, yeah. It has that particular rose petal exactly mm. very floral characteristic and we put a little bit of residual sugar in there and i think they completely balance each well, other well we didn't even add it we, we we stopped the fermentation yeah. before it ends yeah mm. exactly yeah but it's yeah. and we have it's about three percent um, yeah but it works beautifully with the bouquet that comes from the nose mm. and um these grapes are a little bit red in color mm -hmm. so they're not fully 
green and so that is the challenge for us is pressing wise we don't want to press them fully and get any color we are making a white wine and so we're going to pick it a little earlier so there's not as much color and variation happening Mm -hmm. and then we're going to go softer on the press and you're going to get no skin characteristics at at all no tannins or anthocyanins in the wine Mm. And Gewürztraminer is considered to be one of the aromatic whites, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Very aromatic. Yeah. I, I, I love the, like she said, the, the way that the actual the grapes look. Um, in fact, they're I, so I, pretty. They're so su- pretty. They're yeah. super cool. And I wish that, that if there was, you know, one uh, grape just to just kind of show off, that if you could just like preserve it, I mean, besides a picture, but if you could just like kind of freeze it in time and, and, you know, physically, that would be the one I would do because it looks awesome. So you do the uh, Alberino, the Fiano, the Gewürztraminer, uh, and you do a couple of rosés, one from the Grenache grape. Mm-hmm. You also do a Sauve Blanc and a Chardonnay, and that covers your white wine portfolio. Yes. And then some red wines you produce are some more of the more familiar varietals, like mm-hmm. the Cabernet Sauvignon, mm-hmm. the Zinfandel, the Petit Noir, and mm-hmm. you make some red blends. And I love red blends. I think each blend has a uniqueness, which is a wonderful surprise in a bottle. And I also love that you produce and a varietal that I absolutely love called Petit Verdot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still in the speed round that we're talking about. So can you give us some quick characteristics about your Petit Verdot? Um, I always think that Petit Verdot has a blue note to it, like a lilac kind of, you know, pretty high in tannin. has some pyrazines, awesome. which I think are a positive note for this wine. It's uh-huh. like green pepper note, right? Yep. Green yeah. pepper, yeah. tomato. Not, not so much green. as not as much as like say Cab Franc or even Cab Sauve, uh, but uh, but definitely it, it is totally there. But it has that right? fruit to balance it out. It uh, has that yeah. blueberry, that ripe blackberry mm-hmm. kind of those characteristics yeah, as well. Yeah, dark fruits um, is what I always kind of think of, yeah. You know, Janae, you said on a couple different episodes of Sip on this that you really love that Petit, petit Verdot wine. Why do you love it? I like it because, number one, it's kind of what I consider an underdog grape. Yeah. It's often, it's, it's, it's very rarely seen at 100%. That's right. It's usually a, a blending grape. So ours is 100%, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. People go crazy when you tell them that it's 100% mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. super dough. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so I love when I actually see them as 100%. I kind of root for those underdog grapes. You're, you're, the, you're growing grapes that kind of span, that kind of span yeah. Europe from the Rhone Yep. To the mm-hmm. to Bordeaux yep. to Southern Italy. Uh, I just didn't want to tie us. Awesome. I didn't want to tie us down into one particular thing. I mean, I, I know that. that I know some people do that, and I, I applaud them for it because it, it gives you a focus. And sure. and we have the you know we have to worry about being jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and that's fine. I'll you know I'll take that challenge uh, to be able to provide a uh, just a wide variety for for people that come in the tasting room, but also for us to keep it interesting. I don't. It is very hard to appeal to every person with a few wines. At Oak Farm, I think that we can appeal to every single person that walks wow. into that tasting room. Yeah. If you like a port, we have a port. If wow. you like a sweet wine, we have a sweet wine. Yeah. We have many whites. You know, we have a Chardonnay, we have a Sauve Blanc, but we have these unique whites too. Yeah. We have some heavier, more tannic reds, but we also have some lighter, earthier reds. Mm-hmm. And so, it's cool because everyone that walks in the winery is gonna like something. Is gonna take home one of the wines. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's hugely ambitious. Yeah, and pretty amazing that you can appeal to such a broad audience. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So Dan, you just pulled out a bottle that's staring at me. It's not just staring at me. It's actually smiling at me because <laughs> there's the word blend on it. And mm-hmm. as I just said, I love blends because each blend has a uniqueness to us. Yep. What is this blend that you're about to pour for us? So this blend is called Tavoli. Uh, Tavoli, first of all, is kind of a made-up word. It's, uh, <laughs> and I say kind of because there's arguments of whether or not it actually is a slang word. Um, uh, we were told uh, that it was a slang, an Italian slang word that means you want this. But my dad, uh, who you know speaks uh, fluent Italian, was like, "No, I've never heard that. Maybe it's a different dialect, whatever." And um, I would, did some research uh, when we heard about this word when we talked about it as a possible name for the uh, the blend. 
to see whether or not it was going to be something offensive and kind of researching it online and couldn't find anything to corroborate uh, what they were, you know, that they, that it was a slang word. But I did figure out that it was, um, I, it, that it's, I love it spelled backwards. I love it. Okay. So that's, that's, that's what this is. And so, which is a very fitting name. Yeah. Most people, you pour it for them and they yeah. will immediately say, I love it. I mean, it's a little, you know, cheeky and, and, and over the top, but at the same time, First of all, if you try to come up with a blend and, and, and you think it's not taken, I can almost guarantee you it is. Uh, all the good wine uh, blend names, for the most part, are taken unless, you know, I don't know. I, you'd have to come up with something different entirely. And so that's what we did. We were like, well, we'll have a made-up word. And so we trademarked that and, you know, oh, nice. uh, and, and went for it. So, so this blend is 73% Zinfandel. Mm. 18% Barbera and then 9% Petite Syrah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That oh, is pretty cool. Great varietals that I love, but I haven't had it in that combination. And I think they all kind of give their traits to the wine. They all kind of give a little bit that helps the wine out. Yep. So you're going to get this Zinfandel that is the over jammy ripe fruit. So you're going to get some of that red plum characteristic and then you're going to get this barbera that just brightens up the mouthfeel mm. you get that acidity and that strawberry jam that strawberry that kind of helps lift up the wine and then you taste the wine and you're going to get that structure and that darker color from the petite syrah mm -hmm. and i think they all just integrate amazing we have to be careful with petite syrah because it'll kind of take over um wine sometimes so the the nine percent is pretty much almost our threshold for yeah. what we can put in this wine without it taking over i'm just going to stop talking because i'm just going to let sierra describe it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah this is amazing i don't even need to taste it i just taste it the wine the way she's describing totally. it totally <laughs> that's I why agree. that's why i let her do that <laughs> way better at doing that but it's a darker color red wine uh it's not it's not even very translucent uh, mm -hmm. it's got some great depth to it um, dark garnet for sure or um actually maybe ruby mm -hmm. i would say definitely yeah. ruby yeah um and the aroma the bouquet of this Nothing that I've smelled before. It smells awesome. Wow. I love it. It's a very distinct aroma. Mm -hmm, for sure. So this wine is a young wine. It's a 2018. Mm -hmm. And it's aged for only about eight months in 25% American and French oak. Okay. It's our fastest releasing red wine. So, you know, we get the grapes in, we ferment it. We pretty much bottle it right after. And it's meant for consumers to buy, take off the shelf, and drink right away. Mm, yeah. Awesome. yeah this and I think not, it works for summer. It works for winter. It works for with any food. We, it's, we don't expect anybody to take this bottle, lay it down in their cellar, and, and you know wait years to drink it. I, there would be no uh, advantage to doing that. We, this is meant to be drunk young, Got and it. so that's that's why. And it's also meant to be uh, accessible, affordable, and just easy, good you know Tuesday night wine. Mm. Or Monday or Wednesday or, or Thursday. Any day that ends in Y. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yes. That's great. But I have a I only have a few wines that I drink on days that end in Y. Not every wine is Not every wine. But there are some. Yeah. Um, quick question for you before we actually kind of go into oh, the characteristics. Oh, definitely drink it for sure. But I definitely want to talk about, uh, you mentioned Petite Syrah. Mm -hmm. So that is a grape that a lot of people have not heard of or they confuse and they mm -hmm. want to know why is it spelled differently than Syrah? Does it have a relationship to actual Syrah? What are the characteristics? Why do we not see more of it, et cetera, et cetera? So can you guys give us a brief rundown? Yeah, I, I know that there's, um, there, there is a, it's got a wide fan base. There's, you know, groups call, out there called PS I Love You and things like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. We, we, uh, um, we, uh, so it's, uh, the actual name of the grape is Derif, D-U-R-I-F, mm -hmm. yep. um, but we, um, and we always find that it's poorly named as Petite Syrah because, yes, it's somewhat related to Syrah, but there's not a whole lot of similarities, uh, in my opinion. And um, it's not Petite, let me tell you. It's not Petite at all. That's, that's, the, 
that's the biggest misnomer is like if big you, wine big berries big clusters yeah 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 there's not even the berries are not they're not small and and, and i mean they're not huge or anything but the clusters themselves are massive mm-hmm. and yeah they just yeah they, they'll they'll knock you over if you somebody <laughs> hits you in the face with them so i it's i always it's puzzling to me as to um and and i probably haven't done all the research to figure out why it's been called that specifically and and I know that, you know, spellings, you usually it's, you know, the, the, the French don't want you to use certain things in a certain way. And I know that they have the same thing, like with Petit Bordeaux, it's got no E at the end of the petite word. And it's always kind of just, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a, a mess and, and, uh, and all that. But I, 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 I don't know why nobody just went ahead and just called it Derif. Uh, well, they do in Europe a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in, in, here you say Derif and people have no they, they idea. They look at you puzzled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 and so for whatever reason, it just kind of sort of uh, caught on. Um, I, for, it, it's sort of uh, you know heresy for some people. It's not my favorite grape by itself. Um, I've I've been pretty it's a good vocal. blender though. It's a fantastic blender, and and some people really really like it by themselves. And I'm not gonna tell them they're wrong because they're you know they 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 might just their palate's different than mine or whatever uh, floats their boat. That's fine. But for me, um, it gives this really good structure. And, and mid palette, but it kind of sings one to two notes, whereas like it, where I find like when you put it with um, some other uh, grapes, it, it then it, it kind of helps round out the whole band or the symphony, if you will. Um, whereas for, I don't know it, it, when it's sort of solo by itself, it's kind of like what, what what is that guy over there doing? You know, <laughs> you know it's just kind of it's it's kind of for me. Just that's just, um, but I love it in this. It's perfect for this darker in color, adds more structure. It's a great blending grape. Well, you it's, love Syrah, though. How, oh, how, it's my favorite you, I love Syrah. Yeah, so you, love, you, you know, It's different hero. than Syrah, though. It's Syrah hard. is fruit forward. It has this, Jamminess. you know, jammy, yeah. this cherry, yeah. strawberry Talk characteristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> dirty <laughs> But the petite Syrah, I mean, I think it's, it's darker fruits, and it's heavier, and it's bolder. Um, they're completely different. Back to this wine, I gotta tell you, it's 73% Zinfandel, but I gotta tell you, you know what, that's not the predominant flavor that I get out of this. Right. I, because you've blended it mm-hmm. with uh, the Barbera and the Petit uh, uh, Syrah, mm-hmm. it's got such a lovely uh, mouthfeel, it's got such a complex flavor to it that I think it's really a unique, distinct uh, wine that I don't think people want. I think you got to go to your winery to actually drink this to experience it because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, you and I have tasted some wonderful Zinfandels, mm-hmm. but not a blended Zinfandel that will really stand out like this one does. And, and this wine we distribute in about 20 different states. It's our biggest production wow, wine. Yeah. And so if you're not in California, if you can't make it out to see us, look for it out there in the marketplace. Although they can get it on our website too. And on our website. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oakfarmvineyards.com. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, I like I like this wine a lot. It is yeah. very interesting. Tell me more. What what are the characteristics of the notes that you're pulling out of it? Um for one, on the nose I get some kind of a like vanilla cream. Yes. Um, it's almost like a cream soda. Uh, uh, cinnamon bear. Yeah. 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 talk about that creamsicle. For sure. Or yeah. creamsicle, totally. I yeah. agree with that. Um, but also some mushroominess. It mm-hmm, tastes like, mm-hmm. uh, it smells like um, just a, a mushroom that you're cooking with. Yeah, like a sautéed um, mushroom. Yeah, like a sautéed mushroom. Uh, the palate, I get like some really, really juicy fruit. And it's funny because I I'm actually... raspberries. Definitely mm-hmm. red fruit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I get dark fruit but I don't get plum I get yeah. more pluots which is super weird yeah I totally get pluots mm. um, I get a hint of being cherry um, it is really 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 interesting and very cool and perfectly lovely for like as we just said any day that ends in Y but uh, Dan there are two things that I notice about your wines that I love so much First, you are an estate winery, mm-hmm. family owned and operated, which I really do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you and your family own and operate it and work so hard to make sure it's successful. 
And I love that you take ownership of your craft from grapevine to bottle, from the from the time that you're in the field to the vine vineyards to the time that it's bottled. And secondly, your wines are very affordable. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so accessible for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that we try to do is sort of uh, over-deliver on the price point that we're going for. And, and I mean, it's so competitive out there that it, for us to be able to kind of stand out, we charge what, um, you know, is able for us to keep the lights on and kind of keep growing a little bit, but really not, you know, gouging people or anything like that. And it's just, like I said, it's a competitive landscape. And so we, we try to keep it competitive. And the nice thing about Lodi, too, is because of the fact that the ground isn't, you know, it's probably one-tenth the cost that it is in the Napa Valley, for example, right. we're able to uh, produce these things and, and, and release them for less, you know, less expensive. It allows us to be, take more chances. That's why we get to do these fun varietals. I love that you have all these really cool varietals, and I'm really excited to actually go to Lodi because I've never been there to visit. So tell me about what uh, the Lodi experience is like. Yes, so there is a hundred wineries in Lodi and about 80 something, 83 of them have tasting rooms. Um, Oak Farm I think is a very unique tasting room out of the mix. We are about 12 minutes from downtown so we're in a more rural area. We have the space and the grounds to hold a lot of people. Um, And as Dan was saying earlier, the property was founded in the 1860s, 1870s. And so we we have an old barn on the property and Dan lives in the Victorian house on the property. So those are great attributes to look at while you're sitting at the winery. The, The wine tasting room in the production facility was built in 2014 and it is kind of based off of going to tasting rooms in Napa and looking at that and we want to create an experience for the consumer and so we have a couple different ways you can taste the wine at Oak Farm. Um, The first way if you're kind of you know hitting three or four wineries throughout the day we have a you can just come to the bar and taste five different wines it's a ten dollar tasting fee waived with a bottle purchase Um, but the way that I would suggest people to go there and taste the wines would be we have an outdoor patio area and it's kind of exclusive and secluded so you're not you know with the mix of all the people that are in the tasting room Um, and we pair it with a cheese platter and you're going to get some reserved wines some higher end wines that we're not pouring um, around the bar in the tasting room. Yeah, and you can make reservations for that online. Well, for for any any of this stuff uh, online. Great. Yeah. And I mean, we take walk-ins too, as long as you're. It's just groups of six or more, just because we get a little busy on the weekends, and so we ask people to groups larger six or more to to make a reservation and stuff we are a 21 and older property um uh, us and a few other Lodi wineries do that and so yeah and you guys are open every day we're open every day 11 uh 11 a.m to 5 p.m uh we're only closed on like uh six days out of the year major holidays you know we welcome you to bring your own food hang out buy bottles we have a bocce ball court you can play bocce, yeah, hang they, out. That's yeah, yeah. You can reserve that online. There's also historical wine tours that uh, uh, a guy named Ted that's in our tasting room the gives us. He's awesome. He's a, <laughs> and he gives these really cool tours. And, and what's your address? Two three six two seven North DeVries Road. If they need to call you, what's your phone number? It is 209-365-6565. And you can visit them at oakfarmvineyards.com. And yep. you got some social media handles? Yeah. Uh, 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 Instagram is at Oak Farm Vineyards. And then Facebook, we're just Oak Farm Vineyards. And, you and can then, look us up. And Twitter is Oak Farm Vineyard without the S because there wasn't enough characters. <laughs> so. Darn Twitter. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Well, Dan and Sierra, I had a great time with you guys today. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful craft of wine with us on, and the sip on this audience. Thank yeah, you. Really yeah, good. thank you so it's much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this thank you. This was great. You guys are a wealth of information, and we are so excited to actually come and visit. Okay. Yes, please, please do. Okay. Do. Okay. Yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it'd be great. And for our audience, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sip On This. Remember to subscribe to Sip On This on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. And you can also see pictures from today's episode at siponthis.org. Until next time, everybody, live beautifully, productively, and deliciously. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. For the audience that's sticking around, we got two more wines to taste because Janae's ready to keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
Dan and Sierra, what's this fourth wine that you brought for us today? So this is the 2017 Primitivo mm. from our state vineyard. So these are the oh, wow. oldest grapes on our state and it's 96% Primitivo. And then Janae, we have your favorite grape, Petite Syrah, 4%. And um, in this wine, we're kind of showcasing, you know, Lodi's known for Zinfandel Primitivo, and we're kind of showcasing the vineyard. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get a lot of that earthiness, some of that oak. It's aged for 10 months in about 25% new French and American oak. Wow. And the rest is in neutral oak. This is dynamic. It's just walking through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've already talked through a lot of walking through different mm -hmm. fields and vineyards and flower gardens. Mm -hmm. And I just sniffed <laughs> this bouquet and wow, it just took me straight to your vineyard. Mm -hmm. I can smell the soil in this, I can smell the grapes, I can smell the sun. I want in this, you actually. to be able to pretend like you're in the vineyard, standing there, trying the wine. This has got a, a very uh, rustic cigar, yeah. uh, leathery. It does. First impression, which yep. I really love. And this is a, a more masculine wine for me. A higher mm. alcohol, bigger. Yeah, but I think it's actually a, a, a very, uh, also very fruit forward to yeah. as well. And which helps the, the fact that even though it is higher alcohol, it, the, the, the heat doesn't come off. Like, you're not, you wouldn't drink this and go, oh gosh, that's got really high alcohol. Yeah. Huh? But it, it, I mean, it is. It's 15.5, right? We didn't talk really about soil type. What's, yep. what, what are the dominant soil types that we would find in Lodi? Mostly sandy loam. Sandy um, loam. That's pro predominant. That's at least on our property, that's almost entirely. Our property, right? yeah, is sandy and loam. I think when you go more east in Lodi, you get a little bit more clay. Mm -hmm. Parts so, of it are almost like you're walking on a beach. I mean, practically. So yeah. drainage, cool. good water drainage. Okay. Yeah. But... We're also not really irrigating that much. Mm. Um, like this year, we had a ton of rain, and so we haven't turned on the water at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right, and you have one more wine for us. Yeah, sure. Yes. The next one is a Merlot. This is also 2017. This one's a little young. It just got bottled, unlike the, the Primitivo uh, you just had. That got bottled uh, what, last year? Yes. Yeah, and so this one is just, this is only two weeks old. It's a little tight. Um, no, but, but it's that beautiful traditional yeah. Merlot bouquet. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I just thought it'd be fun to bring Merlot as it's just a weird kind of like tip of the cap to the fact that it's sort of making a little bit of a renaissance of a comeback, you know, that they, I think there's, we've gone through a few generations that haven't even seen sideways, so we're moving, you know, moving the needle back for Merlot, and it's sort of an unsung hero, and uh, I just, uh, I, I like this wine. But this is a very elegant, very fruit forward Merlot, I love this, yeah. it's very silky and elegant. I think it's, it's an ele more elegant style Merlot than most people would assume. I get a lot of, which is kind of a weird characteristic, but eucalyptus mm -hmm. is something I got that, that I, in the last one actually, which I've been picking up. And you're gonna get some of those lighter fruits, um, but then you taste it and it's like huge in your mouth. You know, you have that astringency, you have some of that earthiness, and I think it's just dusty tannins. Dusty, yeah. Well, I just love the pure, the purity of Merlot flavor. In this bottle, and I think it's it just stands out. It really does. Dan, you're right. It, it's a little hot because it's a younger wine, yep. but you know what? You don't taste that till the very back end. Right. It, you Correct. get that prominent Merlot flavor, which I think you need to have a yep. luxurious chicken parm. Oh yeah. Oh, that sounds great. great. That sounds good. That it sounds really awesome. does. Yeah. A really cheesy party at Rogers house. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I really like this. It's really it's really that that dinner party kind of mm -hmm. Merlot that you want to serve. Absolutely. Is it a hundred percent? Merlot? Yes. 100% mm -hmm. okay. Merlot. And it was aged for 20 months in high-end French oak barrels. Mm, yeah. Awesome. About 30% new and then the rest are neutral. I was going to say, yeah. well, Dan and Sierra, thank you for hanging out with us yeah. afterwards and yeah. drinking a couple more bottles of your luscious bottles of wine with us. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. 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 It's been a blast. It's been fun. And for our audience, glad you stuck around for the last two wine tastings. And one more time, guys. Cheers. 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 Thank you. Yeah, Thank a lot, you. A lot, of, a lot of fun. That was awesome. Cool. Yeah, that was fun.